Hello and welcome to the Lockdown Leafs Podcast, your one-stop shop for all things Leafs. I'm your host, Mike DiStefano from TSN 1050 Toronto Radio. You can find me on Twitter at Mickey underscore Canuck. Being joined once again by Dave Morissuti from Sportsnet. You can find him on Twitter as well at D underscore Morissuti, also a writer for the NHLPA. What's going on, Dave? Not much, Mike. How are you doing this fine Friday evening? I'm doing fine. I'm doing really good. Uh, you know, the Leafs, they're, they've are they been off for a couple of days, but they'll be back at it tomorrow night against the Senators. So we'll, we'll have to tee up that game in just a little bit. Um, and I, I don't know if you heard this epic Sabres rant. I assume you have because most people by now have heard it. Uh, but if not, we are going to play that in the third segment, and uh, we'll kind of discuss it and, and dissect it and go over it a little bit and see uh, see what that's all about. But that was that was amazing. And if you haven't heard it yet, I 100%, if you're not at least going to listen to the whole podcast, at least listen to that part because it is, A, hilarious, and I think it's one of the best fan rants I've ever heard in my life, uh, and B, um, it's it's definitely well worth the listen, so... Uh, but what I really want to start off by talking about today is what I witnessed Wednesday night. No, not the Leafs win over the Oilers. I'm talking about an amazing rivalry game between, or about uh, Leafs win over Dallas, rather, not the Oilers. I'm talking about the Oilers game, the amazing rivalry between the Flames and Oilers in the Battle of Alberta. There was aggression, there were hits, there were fights, some expected like Cassian and Kachuk, some not expected like Nuge and Monaghan. It was just an amazing game that went all the way into a shootout, and it's just the type of game and the type of atmosphere that I would love to watch in a seven-game series. Now, why do I bring that up? What does that have to do with the Leafs? Well, Dave, we used to have something like that. It was called the Battle of Ontario, but for the last decade and a half, it seems to have gone away, don't you think? Yeah, that, the Battle of Ontario was my childhood. Like when I think back to what you know cemented my Leaf fandom when I grew when I was growing up, the Battle of Ontario was it. The playoff battles, the regular season battles. You had the you know Albertson, Sundin, you know Tucker uh, with Chris Neal. Like those moments defined my childhood. That's where my love for hockey really blossomed. And you just brought up the Battle of Alberta. That that was exactly it. You know, that's the sort of thing hockey thrives on, and that's what makes the game exciting is just genuine hate because there's that proximity between the cities, you know, playoff games. And I think that's why, you know, when we all talk about the NHL playoff format and why we don't like it, it's actually this is I think where the NHL is trying to benefit off of the rivalries with with having the team so close but yeah that battle of Ontario was great I remember the good times in the playoffs I also remember the not so great times where the Leafs would get pummeled and just couldn't find a way to beat Ottawa this was like when they had you know Alfredson Spezza and Heatley absolutely ruining the Leafs with uh, Dominic Hasek and that so it brings up some really good memories seeing that battle of Alberta because it, it does remind me of that battle of Ontario a hundred percent and you know I, I wish that it was alive and well again like you go you have to go back to before the 05 lockout, and this is the time that we're kind of talking about where both the Leafs and the Senators were both good and battling for something meaningful. I think that's the big reason why the Battle of of uh, the Battle of Ontario 
kind of died over the last decade and a half because, you know, coming out of the 05 lockout, the Leafs really haven't been a good team, like not at all, really, up until the last couple of years. And over the last couple of years, once the Leafs finally got good, the Sens have sucked. So there hasn't been, uh, they haven't been battling for playoff positioning. There haven't been any playoff games. Like they played four times between 2000 and 2004. They played in 2000, 01, 02, and then in 2004. Those are what you said. Those are the four years that really formed both not only yours, but my fandom into hockey and just watching how ruthless those games were. You know, it just it was it was awesome. They were heated. Um, you know, two of them went to seven games. Uh, all of them won by the Leafs, I might add, which was pretty fantastic. But you know what I think? I I think. We went through a decade and a half without this rivalry, but I believe that it's going to start coming in the next decade. You know, we're into the 2020s now, and I think this is going to be kind of a resurrection of the Battle of Ontario because, well, the Leafs, they have their pieces intact with your Matthews, your Marner, Nylander, Tavares. They're all signed long-term. You know, you have to assume Freddie's on the high-priority list to get signed in the next couple of years when he's up for, for UFA. Um, and then you can kind of fill out the the defense however they end up working that out but you know they got their core going forward for the most part so it's really up to Ottawa and I think Ottawa is trending upwards over the past couple of years you know Thomas Shabbat I think is going to be a future if not captain assistant captain he's going to be a stud number one defenseman uh they signed Colin White long term as well you know Brady Kachuk looks like he's going to be a great piece and an agitator who's really going to get under the skin of a lot of these Leafs players kind of the way that you saw Chris Neal and Tucker go I think maybe if you know the Leafs end up getting themselves quite the agitator you know to to kind of have that battle to go with Brady Kachuk kind of like his brother Matthew Kachuk had with Cassian then I think it you know that just feud fuels even more to the rivalry um I think Drake Batherson's a nice little piece that they've picked up so they've got a good chunk of players and then you think about what's going to happen this year it's a really deep draft class and they're going to have two picks and probably the maybe even the top five like to have their own which they're destined to be a bottom five team and then the San Jose Sharks pick who well they just lost Thomas Hurdle for the rest of the year so they're on track for a bottom six or seven they could even finish in the bottom five um, and they can get a couple of really nice pieces to add to that core in what's expected to be a deep draft class and I think that because of this that is going to set up a battle of Ontario it's going to revisit it from two decades ago yeah, I think, you know, the Senators are trending in the right direction for sure. I think that's what, obviously, when you in a rivalry, you, you need both teams to be at their best or close to being at their best. And, yeah, Ottawa definitely has pieces. You mentioned Shabbat. Uh, Anthony Duclair looks like he could be a guy that can stick around there. Uh, you know, a former Leaf and Connor Brown, like that sort of things like that where former guys join the rival team and, can contribute to that team. I think that will help fuel the rivalry. I like actually Ottawa's goaltending situation. I think it's getting it's getting better. It's getting there. I think that's what's held them back the last few years as well. So I do agree that the NHL really needs really. I've always said that the NHL needs those rivalries to really thrive. The Leafs really haven't had a rival in a long time. I mean, some people could try. Boston. They were trying to bring up Buffalo. 
Well, yeah, but, but but the but, same thing, right? Like Buffalo yeah. hasn't really been good. They haven't been good at the same time, and the proximity thing works. And you, you could call yeah. it the border battle, the battle of the QEW, whatever you want to call it. But for me, I don't really see that big of a rivalry. But the the battle of Ontario could be a legitimate, hard fought yeah. rivalry here in the next decade. Oh, and there's history there, right? And the fan exactly. base. When you go to a uh, when you see a uh, a Leaf game in Ottawa, three quarters are well because Ottawa's not doing well. Majority of the fans are Leafs fans, but you know if the Sens do get better, I'm sure the Ottawa fans will try to give a little more support, and you'll have you know a really nice road crowd that always fuels those rivalries as well as well. So I think yeah, I think the, the NHL could really benefit if it's not Ottawa, Montreal's another one, but I think. Just because of the history between Ottawa and Toronto, I personally would love to see someone try to rival the Leafs and give them just a little more, a little more edge, you know, to their games. I find sometimes when you watch a Leaf game, you know, the, the edginess isn't there. So I, I think this type of rivalry could spark that again. I don't know if that's so much the fact that there's no rivalry that it is the fact that they don't have guys that have an edge to their game. You know, I think that was. You think back to the, let's even go as far as the Brian Burke era where, you know, they went out and they got those guys that had the truculence and, you know, there was those buzzwords that he was using for guys who he wanted to get onto the team. And those were all guys that kind of had an edge. Nazem Kadri was a guy who had an edge, but he kind of moved on from that or they moved on from him. And they're really trending towards more of a skilled, uh, skilled lineup and stuff. So I don't know. I think, um, I don't know if so much the Leafs and Sabres really can get anything going, but as far as Ottawa, even just the fact, like, they don't even have to drop the mitts and fight all the time. But just good, hard games against a team that you play consistently every single season and every year in the playoffs, that's kind of how you fuel those. And I agree with you. You brought it up just a a few minutes ago. I think that is what – not that I think I know this is because that's what they said they wanted to do when the when the playoff structure changed and it became a divisional first and second round. It's to fuel these so that they are playing each other every single day or every single year. Now it it, it sucks in some capacity where you're going to get some some good teams that are going to end up playing each other. They could be the top two teams in the league and they have to face each other in the first first or second round. But so be it. That's the way that it is. Um, but I think that going forward, I think we should uh, – the Leafs are going to – because they themselves are also a successful hockey team now, they're going to really start picking it up when it comes to creating rivalries, whether it's with Ottawa or Montreal or, or if Buffalo, if they can get it going, which you know later in the, sh- in the show we'll, we'll talk about what's going on in Buffalo with our poor friend Dwayne. Um, but I think that it's going gonna, it's gonna to come. Um, I, although I want the Sens to be, you know, horrible and lose, especially when they play the Leafs, I do want the rival to be strong again. And that only happens when teams are good and battling for something. And that's what needs to happen. Yeah. I mean, we, we enjoy those times where your rival team isn't good, or there's a team where a fan base kind of always talks trash about your team. So you want them to have their, their issues, but I think I think every fan would also agree that you want some sort of competitive rivalry, and that only happens when you know both teams are playing at their best. So I definitely agree that you know 
whether it's Ottawa, whether it's Montreal, uh, Buffalo, I mean, we're going to talk about that disaster, but I, I think Ottawa or Montreal, just because of the proximity and the history between the teams, I think that would, that's a rivalry everyone can get behind uh, getting, getting back to the health that it was years ago. Yeah. All right. Uh, speaking of the Ottawa Senators, maybe tomorrow they can brew up some hatred as uh, the Leafs and Sens are getting set for a Saturday night hockey night in Canada showdown, and we'll preview that game on the other side. All right, welcome back to the Locked On Leafs podcast. Mike DiStefano with you alongside Dave Morissuti. Leafs taking on the Senators on Hockey Night in Canada. The Leafs really... Everything's kind of tilting towards Toronto in this one. But that being said, the Sens always give them a run for their money, and I don't know what it is, to be quite honest with you. But they always seem to... to, to play a lot better when they play Toronto. What are you expecting out of tomorrow's game? Well, some people, when they look at the schedule and they see a, a team like Ottawa and they look at where they are in the standings, the Leafs have had trouble with this in the past where they don't play up to their opponent. They kind of play down to their opponent. And we've seen that uh, you know, at times this season. I mean, you think of the home opener where they won 5-3, but you know, at times it didn't look like a 5-3 game, and then there's times where they kind of let Ottawa back into it. But uh, this game, I think, it's, is the type really of game quickly, that you just, just, need. Just because you, you mentioned that, you know, the whole playing down to your opponent thing. I used to say that a lot earlier in the season. I don't find that I've been saying that much anymore, especially since Sheldon Keefe took over, and that's something that I didn't really think about, actually, that I hadn't been saying that, but... I think since Keith came over, they've been a much more consistent team, um, and, and they haven't really been playing down to their opponents. I think they're winning the games that they should win, which is obviously what you need to do if you're <laughs> going to be a good team and get yourself into the playoffs. Um, you know, games against the Devils or games against uh, Nashville, and then you also win those tough games against Dallas like like we just saw. But um, that's just a quick observation that, that I think I just kind of real like I knew it was happening, but just kind of realized when you said that the difference between the Keefe and Babcock era. But, you know, the Sens, they, they, they do always give the Leafs a good go. You're right. Well, I think part of it too, Mike, is, you know, you talk about this, the different style that the Leafs seem to play under Keefe. I mean, we talked about this on the last podcast where Mike Babcock was big on the heavy hockey. I think certain opponents – you know, Mike Babcock wanted Lisa to play a specific way or match how those teams were playing. We know Ottawa doesn't have the same skill level that the Leafs have, but they work hard. And I think Sheldon Keefe with this team, he's like, it's all about skill. It's all about playing the skill guys a lot, making teams match up against your skill, your top skilled players. I think that's why, you know, skill usually wins out when it, everything's working for it. And I think that's, why the Leafs have been able to be successful at times and got and get themselves into trouble. And then with Ottawa, they've had some impressive wins lately. I mean, I remember before the All-Star break, they beat the Flames 5-2, and there was times where the Flames were, like, their skill was on display, but Ottawa had great goaltending and timely goals. Stuff like that can make it an interesting game. If, uh, you know, with the Leafs, you know, their skill is going to be on display Saturday night to kind of, you know, Big atmosphere I'm expecting uh, at the Leaf game. Saturday night's usually the big one. 
So I'm curious to see if the Leafs will let their skill kind of go out there or are they going to get caught with the Sabres trying to grind out? Especially DJ Smith likes to really grind out, you know, skate really hard, forecheck hard. That's kind of his style of hockey with his team. Right, no, totally agree. And the Leafs, they're going to be going with Michael Hutchinson in net uh, for tomorrow night's game, which I think pretty good call, actually. I, I like the move. I think the Sens are playing tonight as we speak. They're playing the uh, the Washington Washington Capitals, so they'll be a little bit tired going to tomorrow. Leafs, they've been off since Wednesday, so they'll be really fresh. So they'll have a nice, fresh team out in front of Hutchinson, which gives him the best chance to succeed himself. Plus, you know, giving Anderson a, another night off, you know, it's, it's, it's not terrible. Plus, they're not playing that good of a team. So I, I really like the decision to go with Hutch over Freddie Anderson in a game like this and then keep Anderson nice and fresh for Monday's tilt against Florida, which is going to be a much, much more important game. Yeah, I, I agree that, you know, I actually thought to myself that this should have been one of those games where you look at the calendars like, yeah, this should be a game for Hutchinson to get. You know, even it, if Ottawa was was or wasn't playing on the back-to-back, I think, you know, you need a game where he can go in and yeah. gain a little bit of confidence. You know, his you know I, I look back to that game, I think it was against, um, the, you know, playing a team like Detroit where he had a, a, a decent game. Not the best opponent, but it was a matchup that worked for him. I just think it makes it makes so much sense, especially with Monday being such a crucial game. That means a lot in the standings. And I think, you know, Hutchison has gotten better recently, but, you know, I think he's still working his way to prove himself. Take a look at his stats real quick. Uh, before Sheldon Keefe took over, he was winless in eight starts. Since Keith took over, he's 500 at three and three, an 893 save percentage, a 323 goals against. Um, so those aren't great stats, but when you have a high-powered offense like the Leafs, who are number one scoring team in the league, 185 goals this season, you as long as you can keep that number to about three, I think the Leafs could probably outscore and outproduce the Senators. So if he can. Kind of be that. Only you know, keep the number around three for a goals against. I like the least chance of getting the win. Yeah, I mean that's the thing. The, the formula has been for the Leafs is if the goalie can keep the game, you know, the goals against under three, this team can score four, five, six goals easily. And against a team like Ottawa that has had injury problems, their goaltending situation has had ups and downs. I don't know who is going to start tomorrow. Because uh, they've had a, th- uh, you know, yeah, it could a- be Hogberg, Anderson. There's uh, roll the dice, Nielsen yeah. potentially. <laughs> like, like right now, they have. I think tonight they have Hogberg playing, so it could be Nielsen. It could be Anderson. God knows. Um, but I think uh, most likely Anderson because he's had some pretty yeah. good games in the Leafs. Uh, but I think when you look at, you know, those stats don't you know aren't elite numbers. By any means, it's not even average numbers for a goalie when you consider the league averages. You, but they're doable for a backup. Yeah, and the Leafs have been able to, call, you know, get by with those. You know, he has a 500 record despite those stats. That tells you the story of how much support he's getting from the team. Yeah, and if you can get a 500 record out of your backup goaltender, I think that's that's all you can really ask of him. You're not asking him to go out there and win eight of ten games. Like he needs, he needs to just keep you afloat, and then you let your star, your rock, Freddie, 
go out there and win the games that he needs to win in order for your team to, to, to really succeed, which has been happening as of late for Freddie, but I expect for that to change going into the second half. Um, so there's been a lot of chatter recently, a lot of hatred being kind of thrown towards John Tavares. Maybe hatred's a little bit strong, but there's been a bit of shade thrown at John Tavares on his play as of, uh, as of lately. Um, he himself has said that he needs to play better. You know, I don't think it's any secret that he's not having as good a year as he had last season. But do you think it's warranted the the criticism of John Tavares so far this season and, you know, that he's actually come out and he's addressed it and said that he himself believes he needs to pick it up. Are you expecting a big game out of him tomorrow? I mean, I'm expecting a big game out of him because, honestly, when he is not scoring, and I think people need to realize this, John Tavares is still producing in other areas. He is an impact player in other areas. People think of him, when they looked at his stats last year, career highs and points and goals, yeah, that was, you know... That's a good thing, and he wants to build off of that. And he's not that far off. Like, you know, he's he's just below, I think he has 41 points in 44 games. That's still really good. I know people look at the price tag. I think he looks at, you know, his role as the captain, and he's putting pressure on himself, and there's moments of frustration. And I think that's a good thing because it just shows, you know, he cares. You know, he cares about performing at his best every night. And I think... You know, if he is showing some level of, you know, that he's not happy with the way he's playing, I think you have to respect that as a fan. I think he there's there should be no you know, criticism thrown at him. I think that's unjustified based on, you know, the fact that he's been a really good leader this year. Uh, he, you know, he came back from his injury and hasn't, you know, fallen off a cliff. Like, we're not talking about him falling off a cliff. We're talking about maybe a couple games where he doesn't have a point, but he's contributing in other areas. So I think people, if anyone's going to give him any criticism, I think they need to kind of shift that somewhere else because the team is winning. You know, he has not looked absolutely terrible. He's looked okay at times. His line's line's producing. Like, this is what I find to be, like, hilarious. His line is producing. You have William Nylander playing the best hockey of his career right now. Currently on, what, a five-game goal-scoring streak? Um, he's got, like, he, like he's playing the best hockey he's ever played in his life. Do you think John Tavares isn't playing a hand in that? He's not part of the reason why Tavares is, or why Nylander is excelling right now? Like, this is what I don't understand. I think Tavares is, is you know, giving Nylander the, the space. He's putting pucks into position for Nylander to get them. Um, he's, he's kind of pulling defenders in on him. He may not be scoring himself. But I think he's doing a pretty good job of making sure his teammates still produce, even though he's not getting it done on the score sheet himself. Exactly. Like, he he is a guy that thrives off of making everyone around him better. We saw the type of season Marner had with him last year. Marner, of course, being with Matthews, is still producing. But I think people get too wrapped up on him having to be the driver all the time. Well, if guys around him are performing – He's actually doing the unselfish thing and making sure they are also being successful. You know, Nylander, we can say, has you know, been one of the more consistent players on the team. And guess what? He plays on his line, as you mentioned. Uh, the left side, they've been kind of experimenting with guys, playing with them. I think Kerfoot's kind of taking that role right now. Uh, so that's another guy you have to develop chemistry for, and you're trying to make comfortable. And I think 
you know, he's still getting, you know, his shots on goal. He's not completely silent. And I think other teams are realizing that when you have a guy like John Tavares on the ice, you're going to put most of your attention on him. And I think that's also why Nylander has kind of flown under the radar when you see him getting open in front of the net or getting behind coverage because John Tavares is still a threat on the ice and teams are realizing that and they're going to respect that. Uh, I couldn't agree with you uh, any more than that, but uh, another player who I kind of want to chat really quickly before we we move on here, um, Rasmus Sandin. So as we spoke last time we chatted, he's kind of had limited minutes. Uh, He's kind of been sheltered a little bit. He's been put out in situations that allow him to succeed. I agree with that. That's just good coaching. Should we expect to see Sandine maybe crack the 15-minute mark against a poor opponent in the Senators and maybe give him a little bit more of a leash in high-danger areas just to kind of see how he feels playing against, uh, you know, playing in those in those scenarios, but by doing it, you're doing it against a poor team with, with not very much offense. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense to do. Um, it's all depending on what Keefe will try to do. I think because they're at home, you're going to see him get a lot more offensive zone draws. I think that's going to be the big difference when it comes to his deployment and the power play. You know, will he get maybe a little, you know, time on the second power play again? That also will contribute to the his ice time. But I, I do agree that I think you know this is a chance for Sandin to get some minutes. Like, we don't need Sandine to play a lot of minutes. 12 minutes isn't a lot. We know that. So I think if you see him bumped up to 15, I think that's progress. And honestly, I don't care which opponent it is. This is a good chance for it. But I think you have to at least give the kids some, a little bit of, extend the leash just a little bit to know that, yeah, we trust you to go out and play 15 minutes. We're not just going to hold you back and say, yeah, we're going to keep you at about 12 minutes. I think players do realize that. They do sense that, you know, coaching staff may not trust him in certain situations and won't put him out. I think this would be a good test to see if they would consider that and if he can step up for it. And just kind of taking a look here, he did play over 15 minutes in the game against Nashville, 15-42, if you recall in that one. Two points, including the, uh, the I think, believe it was the game winner, but definitely it was his first NHL goal. And Nashville being a much poorer team than the Dallas Stars and end up getting more minutes. So we'll see if that trend kind of continues with, with Sandine and, and how he's deployed by Coach Sheldon Keefe. All right, real quick, I need a game prediction for you. I'll give you mine. I think the Leafs are going to roll the Sens tomorrow night. I'm thinking 6-2. I'm thinking Nylander makes it six straight games with a goal. What's your prediction? I'm going to go with 5-2. I think the Leafs will, won't have that much of a problem with Ottawa. I think the key is just can they get off to a good start. If they score first, I think that gives the Leafs a far better chance to beat a team like Ottawa. All right. Uh, so that game is tomorrow night. Puck drop at 7 o'clock. Watch it on uh, on Sportsnet, CBC, Hockey Night in Canada. Should be a good one. Uh, all right, coming up next... We got to get into the Sabres fan rant. Poor Dwayne. Poor Dwayne. Uh, it was the rant to end all rants, and we will let you hear it next. All right, welcome back to the Lockdown Lease Podcast. Mike DiStefano alongside Dave Morasuti. Dave, did you hear this Sabres rant? 
I did, and it's probably one of the best things I've heard in a long, long time coming from Sports Talk Radio. I couldn't agree with you more. This has really swept. Not, I mean, we played it. We played it here on uh, on my station at 10:50 yesterday on on Game Day, which is a show by Matthew Cause. It was a little more lighthearted, but we must have played this clip. Oh boy, like bits and pieces of it, probably seven or eight times throughout the show. <laughs> like it was that amazing. They were just taking quick twenty to thirty second clips and just playing them throughout the entire two hour program, and I it was hilarious. Honestly, it was it's so funny, and uh, I'm gonna play it for you guys in just a minute. It's 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 quite long to be honest. It's it's a rant, an absolute rant. It's just a shade under three minutes. Um, and, and I will play it for you. Uh, should I play it now? Yeah, let's play it now, actually, so everybody can kind of get their taste of what it is, and then we can kind of dissect it uh, afterwards in a minute. So here it is. It's Dwayne calling into WGR, and it was, uh, was it Bulldog? Shope and Shope and, Bull, and the Bulldog. Shope and the Bulldog. And here is Sabres fan Dwayne. I'm surprised the organization remembered to wish Dominic Kashuk a happy birthday today. I'll put it that way. I just, it, it, it's so mind-boggling how we've fallen this far. And, like, I don't need, I, I, I was cautiously optimistic coming into this season because I wasn't fully expecting playoffs, but I was happy with the way the season started because the competitiveness was there. Last year was misery 100% after the 10-game streak. It was absolute misery because the competitive is the passion was not there. And it's been there. And then they go out and lay an egg last night in front of me. I was, of course, I was at the game. First time I went to a game with my sister, by the way, and she had to sit there through that. And it's just it's mind-blowing. Like, I, I don't need a Jerry Jones type of owner. Like, I need an owner who's going to answer the fans when they misspell names on jerseys and have Chinese knockoffs on alumni. Like, what is going on? Like, what are we doing? Like, I don't understand it, man. Like, Bulldog, you, you've lived through this. You've seen it. Like, have you ever been, like, have they ever sucked a passion out of you like they have me? I've dedicated my life to hockey because of this team. Like, I can't do it anymore, man. Like, like, I'm seriously, for the first time, considering just not being a season ticket holder this year. Like, we're, like I, I, even when the team was terrible, Ted Black would come on the station and talk to fans and address concerns. I don't need the, the, the I don't need a damn camera in front of Terry Pagula every single day, but address our concerns. Be there when, when you screw up. Answer for the mistakes. Be accountable. You know, this, like Pella Fontaine had been forced out of the out of the organization. You know, five years ago, how long it was? Like, I don't need an explanation, but it's just been mediocrity. It's it's almost worse than the Bills drought. Like, like, and you know what? As, as I don't know what people's opinions of the man were. You know, with Russ Brandon, but if Russ Brandon was running the team still, I highly doubt he would have allowed Chinese knockoff jerseys to be worn by Danny Garrett at Turkey Drive. I went down on the ice, the goat head, missing deadlines. Like, what the hell is going on? Like, what is it? Like, I, 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 don't, I didn't need playoffs this year. I wanted it, but I didn't need it. But when you screw up for the fans as much as this team has over the last, like, five years and just don't hold yourself accountable, go hide in your house in Florida. 
Like, what is this? Get in front of the camera and at least make us feel that we that we matter. That we matter to you. Like, I'm sick of it, Bulldog. I'm sick of it. Boy. Oh boy. At the end there, I'm pretty sure he's going to cry. Like, I'm pretty sure he, he felt like sobbing up, tearing, and somebody should go check on him because he was rather upset. Yeah, I mean, I don't blame him. Honest to goodness, you know, you, you you get the sense that, you know, with the way that Buffalo sports fans have had a rough time, you know, with the Bills not being good for a while, the Sabres now going through this rut of what was supposed to be a quickish rebuild, turning into a, something that's taken way too damn long to get on track, you really, you really feel for the fans because, you know, they're the ones who have to deal with the hear the criticism, you know. If you got friends who are you know friends of are uh, supporters of other teams, like as a Leafs fan, I hear the 1967 jokes all the time. We get it. So, <laughs> I think as a Saber, like you have to, you really have to feel for guys like this. And I'll credit the station for giving him the time. Yeah. Stations will either cut him off, like the you know the radio hosts will go okay, like they'll they'll cut him off midway, and they'll try they'll try to let him like you know throw water on the fire. I credit the station for letting this guy have his time. Yeah, it, me too. And you know what? I guarantee they're reaping the rewards of it as well because this clip is being played everywhere, and it's such a hit up here in Toronto. Oh, it's a hit in Toronto. It's a, it's a hit everywhere. Like I saw, this was being played. Everywhere, I wouldn't be surprised if Spit and Chicklets picks it up. I wouldn't be surprised. Like you think of any other big, like Steve Dangle's probably gonna play this clip. Like this is something that's going. It's it's already gone viral. Um, so WGR is getting a lot of a lot of benefits out of this for sure. I'm sure they also got a, a, a talking to by the Sabers uh, and and asked them why would you allow somebody to sit here and rant for this long? But yeah. Why would you allow your team to be neglected for this long? I would retort. <laughs> yeah, why why let your fan base feel this way exactly. for 10 years? Now, I I will I will say a few things. I think some some of the things that he he said are validated. You know, the part about the Chinese knockoff sweaters was bang on. I don't know if you saw, but I was shown a couple of photos. Um Danny Gare was at a charity event and if you look at his jersey, I guess the colors were kind of off off-colored on the numbers. Um, so people were like thinking, oh, uh, what's up with this jersey? Kind of looks like this might be from overseas. And, you know, I don't know if you've ever bought one from overseas, but sometimes they look good. And sometimes if you put them next to a real jersey, you can really tell when somebody's jersey's $200 or $25. There's a big difference. And uh, this Danny Gare jersey kind of looked like it may be part of the $25 pile. Um, also, Mike Robitaille and Dave Andrichuk, they're at an alumni event, and their jersey were spelled wrong. Their names were spelled wrong at an alumni event on their jerseys. Um, so those were just a couple of things that he was kind of referring to about how the disrespect for the alumni and, and how that's a bad look on the organization. And it is. It, it really is. Now, the part that I don't think I disagree with all or the, that I agree with all that much is that you know the team isn't doing anything to get better. I think they are trying. Like they've spent a lot of money and they've made a lot of moves. They haven't been a stale team by any means. I just don't know what's wrong with them. It seems like the moves that they make, they just can't get them right. 
Like, if you think about it, they're, they're trying. They made a move for Jeff Skinner. He had a great season. They rewarded him with an overpayment, a massive overpayment, I might add. But they rewarded him with a $9 million long-term contract. They locked him up, and they're thinking, all right, we got ourselves a 35-40 to 40 goal scorer going forward. This is perfect. We've got 11 goals. Like, what? who saw that coming? Marcus Johansson they went and signed uh, this offseason. He, he's, he's not even a centerman, really. But if they got him in the number two center role, He's, he's like a winger. He's always been a winger. What is he doing as your number two center? Maybe that's because, you know, you traded away Ryan O'Reilly. But Ryan O'Reilly is a player that they traded for as well not too long ago. Evander Kane, a guy they traded for. Brandon Montour, Colin Miller. Like These are all guys that they traded for to try and help this team get better. Kyle Poza was signed to try and help this team get better. But it just seems like every move that they've made just isn't working out. Billy Leno was a guy who they brought in a few years back and expected him to be. It's another, but it's just, they are spending money. They're spending money on free agents. They're making trades. They're making deals. They are trying to get better. It just seems like they can't do anything right. Yeah. I I, I agree with you that I think the, the thought that the Sabres aren't trying to get better or they're not doing things the right way. I think that gets overblown a little bit. This ownership group has made it clear that they want to spend money to get the team better. You know, they they've made a lot of improvements. Uh, you know, they've tried to get the right GMs, they try to get the right coaches. At some point, though, they've also made some some really bad decisions uh, along the way. Um, th- there are a couple of things with Buffalo that the water just isn't right there. I know I was listening to Thirty One Thoughts and they were talking about this, and you know. The Pagulas are not happy about this. I think, you know, Terry takes more of a back role and his wife is kind of more in the forefront when it comes to how things are going, like how the teams are run. Right. You know, they they really do care about these teams. Um, now, uh, with the stuff with the fake jerseys, like Leafs fans especially, I know when you're wearing a fake jersey, they're really obvious. They don't look good. They're really tacky. But for an organization to do that, that's beyond like I can't comprehend that. That's just a an ownership thing. Like that's that's definitely something you don't want to see. But when it comes to the on ice product, I think part of the reason is they're yeah they're making moves, they're spending money, they're bringing in free agents, they're trading for guys. The one thing they're lacking, and the one thing that a lot of teams that are in their position, I look at the Oilers, I look at the Sabers, I look at even uh, even the Senators at sometimes they don't draft and develop well. The Rochester Americans have been up and down, decent AHL team, but who has gone through the AHL in that organization and has really thrived? And I think that's a big problem in Buffalo. That's where a yeah. lot of teams lack the proper direction in drafting and developing their prospects because when you have a fan base, when you have an ownership group that wants to win now, you try to cut corners. And I think at times those moves can blow up in your face. Trading Ryan O'Reilly, I would never do that. But he wanted out because he did not want to deal with, you know, the mismanagement of that team.